You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Okay, so um, this week this week was a very important week for us movie fans. Uh, it was the Oscar nominations, and um, what you, what's that look? I don't think it's an important week for movie fans. I'm uh, a, I'm coming. Yeah, it's an important week for. Movie I disagree. Fans. Not everyone who loves movies gives a crap about the Oscars. Well, I care less and less about it every year, other than that, I like to watch it, and I hope that people who want it, and you know, in that world, get what they want when I think they deserve it. However, I don't see it as an important thing for me as a movie lover lifeline. For me, important. There you go. You right just then. narrow it down to your own All right self. Then. The Oscars is only important to me. I didn't say that. I said it isn't important to every movie fan. Only me. So, okay. um, what I want to encourage people to do, and I didn't know you could do this, and this is new for this year as far as I know. If you go to Oscar.com, there's a ballot form. If you log in, and you can log in with your Facebook or your Twitter, you don't even have to make an account there. Just log in, do the ballot form, and then you have to flick this switch for some reason to say share with friends. And then once you do, any of your friends who also do the ballot, you can, on the night of the Oscars, you can bring up the app, and the app's on phones and tablet, or on the PC, and you can compare, you know, it's kind of fun, isn't it, to guess yeah. who's going to win, so... I, I, we've not seen most of the movies. I know, so it's I had so to disappointing. Use, I had to use educated guesses at things. Um, so hopefully I get all of them right. We'll see who wins between me and you. Oh, I'm not competing because I haven't seen enough of them to make educated guesses. I have educated guesses just from movie reviews I've seen and stuff like well, that. The thing yeah. shitty is you've told me that some of those movies haven't even come out yet. How the fuck? Well, they've not come out here in them? Missouri. Right. I thought some of them haven't even come to theaters at all yet. You said. Mm-hmm. Well, Zero Dark. 30, is that what it's called? Um, Catherine Bigelow's new movie is out in theatres at n- end of next week. Right, so how's anyone supposed to see it before? It was. It, was, it opened in L.A. on Christmas Day and ran throughout. That's, right. that's how it... In Los it, Angeles. Yeah, right, so, so only those people saw it. So how could anyone else watching the Academy Awards be going, oh yes, mm. that movie deserves to win? Because they go and see it on the 20th of January and then when the Oscars is on in February, they've seen it. Oh, Right. I mean, there's a chance to see all these movies before the Oscars. It's just that when you live in a place like we do, mid-Missouri, they, a lot of these cinemas don't put on these kind of movies because they want, you know... Or some of us are married to men who just like to wait for all the Blu-rays and they aren't all out. No, no, seriously, like, Lincoln Lincoln is not on here, right? It was. On here in our town. Somebody at work said they went to see it, yes. It was on in Columbia. It Mm. wasn't on in this town. Um, so yes, you can see it. Um, and of course they won't put them out on Blu-ray before the uh, Oscars, because they're still theatrically But they running. used to. Right. They used to not butt them up so close, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Now what happens, and it's very traditional since a few years ago, is on the Tuesday, which is the day after the Oscars has aired on the Sunday, there's a bunch of Oscar releases right then. Have they started to cater to the idiot world now that... Oh, now we can put 
Academy Award nominee, Academy Award winner, and other and people who go, oh, I heard that this movie won, so it must be good, like a blind freaking zombie person, instead of everybody wanting to just watch the movies through the year as you should, and then at the end, then find out who wins whatever awards. But yeah, if that's the idea for the movie studios, I guess they can Will get you off. Just- Get off the back of the Oscars and uh, this buzz about those films and they'll sell more, right? Were you disappointed <clears throat> in any of the lack of nominations or nominations? Um, yes, personally. There's a, I um, know the answer to this. Obviously, The Master <laughs> is my favourite movie of last year. And excellently, it was nominated for three Academy Awards. <clears throat> but I think one of the best things about The Master is the cinematography. And it wasn't actually nominated for cinematography, nor was P.T. Anderson nominated for Best Director. So um, at least it did get some nods, and it wasn't completely ignored, like some movies that come out earlier in the year tend to be, you know? Yeah. Because what happens is, and it's a weird thing also, isn't it? At the end of the year, there's a big wodge of... Wodge, is that a word? (laughs) A big wad of Oscar movies get released in December... You know, just because they have to be released in the year, in that year, to qualify. So they release a ton of them in December. So anything that came out in January or February of that year, nobody remembers anymore. No. Like, or it's not the hot thing anymore. Yeah, exactly. So, and like, The Master came out in Ju- July. Um, yeah, it was the your Mas- birthday. Yeah, well, around then. No, it wasn't July, was it? Because I went to see... No, it was probably like... Well, it was... Le- it was earlier on this year so I thought that it might get completely overlooked with things like Lincoln coming out just now but no it didn't uh, the other thing is um, what was the other thing that I didn't I noticed that somebody wasn't there wasn't nominated who you thought deserved to be or yeah. just surprised Tarantino wasn't was he no yes. best picture it is for, not for director though right it's for best picture yeah. Oh, yeah, and for Best Original Screenplay. Yeah, but not for Director. But Same for as P.T. Best, support, uh, best Supporting Actor as well. Right. And Best <laughs> Tarantino, Original. Tarantino for Best Supporting Actor in Django Unchained. No. That would be good. That would be bad. <clears throat> yeah, because that was probably one of the worst pieces of acting this year. Absolutely. So, um, that's the Oscars. It's coming up soon. We will keep you posted. Uh, it's Saturday, January the 12th, 2013. This is after the show number 257. After the show is the podcast in which we review... Blu-rays, um, you know, the latest releases, sometimes older releases. We look at a movie every week, we talk about it. Um, what else do we do? We talk about other things. Video games. Yep, life. We've, done it. we've done this 257 times. I give you lots of advice about life. Not me, and you, I tell you, the listener. Oh, I'm telling you, actually. <laughs> and um, if anyone doesn't know, we're married to each other. Correct. I'm sure you can tell sometimes. So, um, the movie we're looking at this week, or the Blu-ray we're looking at this week, and if I cough during this, it's because I, I'm still, I, whatever I have. Nursing, you're, you're milking it, man. You're milking it. Trying to get rid of it. Mm. It's annoying me now. You, you think I'm milking it, I'm just pretending to have it now. <laughs> I yeah. have the exact same thing. Oh, I'd so love I, to pretend to have a cough. I have the exact same and thing. And just cough randomly, just, you know. Hey, I'm, I'm right there with you. I have this. <clears throat> <coughs> yeah, I hate doing that, so yep. I don't, even if I want to. I try so, not to. So, the movie we're looking at this week is Frankenweenie. Um, and this is the 2012 movie, actually nominated for an Academy Award, talking of Academy Awards, uh, for Best Animated Picture. 
Um, it's released on Blu-ray on the 8th of January, so you can get this one now. It's from our friends at Disney, and it's a PG-rated movie. Uh, it's the... the what do you call this pack? It's the Blu-ray 3D, the Blu-ray, the DVD, and the digital copy. So it's the ultimate pack. It's like in the um, cool chrome-looking slip Bit of an exaggeration. Well, it's the ultimate <laughs> pack compared to... There's other versions of this. You can get just the 2D one on its own or just the DVD on its own. But this right. is this is the one with everything in it. Okay. Um, and uh, Sid Talk is going to give us the synopsis of Frankenweenie. Okay. It is... I don't think it should be just PG, by the way. I think it should be PG-13, but... It's just a PG. Yeah. Um, a boy, who is a stop-frame animated boy... Loves his dog. His dog then perishes, and the boy, whose last name happens to be Frankenstein, goes forth and becomes more Frankenstein-y. Correct. And of course it has, you know, undertone themes of... Classic horror films. Um, you know, the, Yeah, and then just sort of the sentimental thing of, you know... Is Frankenstein with learn, a dog? Yeah, with other things thrown in there, like nods to all kinds of other uh, horror things. And stop frame animation, like and what's his face is weird concept of romance. Tim Burton. Tim Burton's sort of fucked up idea of love and romance. It's very deep, and it's got like this. I think of it as this deep pulsating vein of darkness that he has that goes straight to the heart, and he thinks love is this sort of like I don't know, sort of twisted. <laughs> All right, so so let me say about Frank and Weenie um, first. I just want to pre- we saw the original shot back from back in the day from the eighties actually. Um, I'd seen it back then on VHS tape, and you hadn't. But we saw it on Nightmare Before Christmas. It was included as an extra on that Blu-ray, uh, and we watched it. And you weren't a fan, were you? No. And I always liked it. The the but it's a very short. It's a twenty-eight minute film. You know, it's not fleshed out. It's kind of what it really is is the this uh, this stop motion version of Frank and Winnie that we've just watched. It's a more fleshed out story version of that. Yeah. Now, what I really loved about this Frank and Winnie, I love stop motion animation. We need to have more of it. It's a I don't want it to die. I think it's a fantastic thing. It's clearly an industry because it we is. saw things in the extras that clued me in that there are systems in place that people super creative very organized and probably very anal OCD people in England and that's I mean there's also there's also stop frame animation studios here but I mean there is a whole thing in place it's not just like somebody randomly goes hey let's do a stop frame animation movie and then they have to invent everything there's actually systems in place for there's a puppet factory there of people who know how to make the and the insides of them and there's systems on how to organize your shots, and they have a whole studio set up, and all that stuff. So, to make more, could only be better. Right. Like, so, what I was really happy about was how it looks. And I knew from the trailer, I'm going to love this. It's in black and white. I thought that was a fantastic choice. Absolutely. Because it really shows texture I'll say why better. more later. <laughs> yeah, but for me, yeah, also that. But it shows texture better. You can see... You know, f- things that are supposed to be fluffy. It's, it's mm-hmm. just really... They made... You know, some black and white stuff can get murky, but they made a, a big decision here to... Like, obviously the real puppets and stuff are in colour, but they chose the colours specifically so they'd look better in black and white, right? The puppets were black and white. Well, I don't mean... I mean things. Like some things were. Flags, yeah. some uh, clothing. Things. 
they chose them specifically so they look better like in grayscale and they really do now what I loved about it was I've seen Frank and Weenie so I sat down to watch it thinking I know this right it's just a, a stop motion version of it and that was true for the first 20 minutes maybe 30 minutes and I was like okay this is next this is next this is next oh and then it's it deviates from the short film and becomes its own thing, which I really love because I didn't expect some of that stuff near the end. I'm not going to spoil this mm. one. Mm-hmm. But there are, you know... Whole big set pieces there. There are things that I didn't, you know... There's a crazy windmill that I, th- I think was a nod to Sleepy Hollow, another Tim Burton movie. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Um, it, it references old classic horror stuff. And, you know, I really loved it. I thought... I, you know, we watched uh, Dark Shadows, the last Tim Burton film, and it was hit and miss, wasn't it? It was not... There was something about it that didn't fully... This is the Tim Burton film for 2012. <laughs> I mean, this is a proper Tim Burton film, in my eyes. It's got Tim Burton sensibilities. It's really well made. The voice acting... I can't fault anybody. No. Character designs. I just love everybody. You know, the the girl who looks like the cat and the cat looks like the girl (laughs) you know there's just details every single thing that came on the screen I was like oh my god I know I was mesmerized they thought about that they you know the detail on the clothes um you can't help but love Sparky I know you're not a dog lover or whatever but I I loved him I mean I felt for the boy oh yes the scene where Sparky yes okay we're not spoiler. giving it Sparky. No, it's not really a spoiler because it's a Frankenstein movie. Right? <laughs> All right. <laughs> the scene where Sparky, the real, sp- dies. Yeah. Absolutely. It was so... Gut-wrenching. And you knew it was coming. And you knew exactly when it was coming. But it was just I like... I didn't know uh, exactly when, except did when you it happened. Know, I, well, I'd I mean, never right even seen the, it before, but I knew. Yeah, I knew, but then I was like, I knew, okay. oh, there goes the... Oh, yeah, okay, here, here it comes. Yeah, but you didn't know ahead of time. No, I didn't know ahead of time. Right. Like, <clears throat> I was watching it thinking... This is where it happens. I mean, it's all, mm-hmm. you know, and it happened, and I was like, oh, but I know what's going to happen next. But I was still emotional, it. and it's you know, losing a pet is a tough thing. Some people I've never had a pet. It's really tough, you know, when you come home and your pet's dead. You know, maybe you've lived with your pet for years, that kind of thing. I understand it, but I don't identify with it. But I do feel like you know. In this one, I was like, I had tears and everything. I personally think. And, you know, he's done a, a few stop-motion animation movies. Not, you know, he obviously didn't direct Nightmare Before Christmas. We used to think yeah. he did, but he did not. But he's involved. Um, he drew the characters. I think he's, I think the technique has evolved so much. I think this is, it's, you know, it's not as choppy looking, even though keep that choppy look. It has a few choppy moments, but, yeah, but it's totally understandable. Yeah, but it's really... It's different to, if you go back and look at Nightmare Before There Christmas. are scenes that I actually was very aware, thinking to myself, this is one animator doing this scene, and then another scene in a different set where they've made their whole set, you know, you, you're in the attic, you're in the downstairs, you're in the yard, you're in the different places, and they have different animators, like 30 different people, filming different scenes at the same time in this big massive studio where they've cordoned off all their sections. And I could feel... The difference of detail from one scene that you could tell was being done by one... Because only one person does it at a time. They've got their own little section. Because you can't. There'd be no way, no. 
and then you'd skip, you'd cut to another kind of set piece, and it was a different, maybe just a little bit less detail. The movement was a little more, less broad, a little less, and another one would be like every single little thing that person's, that animator's vision was, well, even though these people are in the foreground, I want that bush to blow in the wind, and I want that thing to, and I want that cloud to move a tiny bit, whereas in another set piece, you're getting the main animation is doing its thing, whereas the rest of the set kind of stays there. And I think it's just a different style between them. But you can fe- you can tell the the I hate people using this word too much, but it's really a craft. Like it is an involved, creative, hands on. Even though these animators are basically doing what they're told. Like I need, and I'm sure Tim Burton's right there to go. I want him to walk from here to I here. I got the and- feeling Tim Burton isn't right there. I get the feeling he, he inputs and then he... Because oh. the way he speaks, he's like, oh yeah, these people are really talented and they do all this. Yeah, but he also they also showed a little tiny glimpse when he was looking at Sparky. Saying it was a bit wrong. Though. And the guy behind him was like... It's like when Lucas like, walks okay. in on the Star Wars thing we've seen Yeah, but he was extras. annoyed that it was like... And the right. guy said we had to go through almost 30 different dogs. And that means they have to start from scratch. And so I think there's no way he couldn't have been OCD about it all. Like, he had to be. I do think, that, I do think he's that, but... Creatively, yeah, he's he's the man, isn't he? But yeah. The animation is not done by him in the, at no, all. No, no, no. No, he, he's just the vision behind it all. Um, I can't imagine him having the patience. No. <laughs> I, I mean, I can't imagine anybody having the patience. But he's when, the director, so he has to say. He has to sometimes be over their shoulder and say, well, the ball rolls over here and let's get it to hit the fence right there. I mean, he has to be able to and tell can, them. And with this um, form of um, animation... They can't animate it and then then send it to him and say, is that good? Because that's it not how long. it works, right? Yeah. And when they say, oh, yeah, on a good day, we'll get two seconds of footage, it boggles my mind that, that you could be satisfied at the end of the day going, we got two seconds, a whole two seconds down. No, they add up. I, you know, the eyeballs on the um, characters mm-hmm. are just like a piece of plastic and they've put Vaseline so it can slide around and they fall off and it's... Because you have to move the eyeballs very slightly... It is, and there's lots of eyeball moving in this. There lots is. of it. And replacing eye, eyes with with the eyelid that yeah. looks like it's blinking. Oh, God, it's crazy. So, um, yeah, it's it's one of my favorite Tim Burton films. I always loved that Frankenweenie shot, and this has kind of made that redundant for me because that seems creepy with them being real people. Yes, it does. It seems really creepy and weird. We saw especially for a Disney like, yeah. um, thing. Mm-hmm. But especially back then when he worked for Disney. I still briefly. think it's a grim, grim, grim thing to do a little a kid movie about. Yeah, well, actually, um, fun... Um, I have a friend who said, he said, oh, what are you watching today? And I said, Frank and Weenie. And he said, oh, the kids watched that a couple of days ago. And I said, what do you think? He said, oh, they thought it was okay. But I think it's more aimed at adults, he said. So I don't think they got it fully. I agree with that. Absolutely. And that is the same with any Tim Burton venture, right? He aims at adults. Definitely. I think that's, that's his, I think he aims at himself. Like, this is my, this is a story I'd like to see. And it's in my style. And this is it, it's not aimed at little kids, and it's funny that you know that it's Disney's Frankenweenie and all that because, yeah, there'd be some children who'd be frightened of it. It's there's some frightening scenes. Yeah, like, and there's a American Werewolf in London yeah, kind yeah. of homage part. I'd be shit scared of Which that. Which part was that? Where the, where yeah, where it all came up, you know. You thought that was? I thought it was yeah. Beetlejuice. I thought it was American. Well, I guess you could you yeah. could say what, but I I thought it was American Werewolf in London. The the noises it made when it was, you know, 
transform. The back part, yes. Yeah. But the... Oh. Yeah, I think it was a mixture of stuff. But yeah. I, what I'm saying is that scene, as a little kid, like a three, four, or five-year-old. You would terrified. Yeah, terrified. I wouldn't, because I don't remember anything ever scaring me. No, I think some, it's more sensitive children would. Sure. So I, I definitely say, you know, like... Watch it and Watch then this decide. first and then judge whether you want your kids to see it, because... We know somebody... Who definitely... Well, that's who I was just talking about. Yeah, so definitely. It's, it's, oh, was he watched it with his kids? Yeah. Holy shit. And they they were kind of just like, blah, this isn't that good because uh, we don't get it, like, fully. It's a bit... Yeah, but it was really scary. I would think that... Well, they all watched it, but I'm saying it's... They, daughter girl He was saying that out. they were... Um, we'll leave them anonymous, but we were, saying, yeah. <laughs> we were saying... He was saying that he thinks it was a bit adult because they Were they, they not interested get, because it was black and white? That I don't think that bothered you know? them. And that is one of the cool things about this movie, that they don't break that. Mm-mm. They don't go, oh, some of it's black and white, some of it's colour for, it for effect. Just, yeah, there's none of that, it's just black and white. Yeah, they just it. keep it black and white the entire time, which actually is to its credit. Absolutely. It makes it a little better. Um, so, yeah, I, I it's one of my favourite Tim Burton films, one of my favourite stop animation films. I will say why I don't think it should be just PG. And it's not like it's a delicate subject, Things and animals and people and everything in the world dies. And that's it. You know what I mean? That's yeah. how it goes. However, the corpse is a rotting piece of meat. A dead dog is a rotting, pussy, disgusting, falling apart piece of meat. Particularly hours or days later. Well, this is an animated feature. We don't want to be gross. And yet... You see, kind of at a camera angle, he's sewing him, stitching him, there's a piece of cloth on him, his tail flies off, the ear flies off. There's a bit of meat flies off at one point. actually makes me, like, in the moment, it's like, oh, haha. But I'm thinking, that's horrific. Like that Well, it is a, it's a horror movie at, Right, at so if that being PG-13 is quite interesting. Because yeah. you can fool people into thinking, because it's got kind of cute, the big-eyed characters and stuff, but... If you keep focusing on that, that this dog is animated with electricity and inside of him is just dead and he's just going to be smelling horrible. They don't address it. Of course, it's fiction. And I, I get it. But for some reason, that kept coming back to me. And when I said to you at one point, when the ear flew off, I said, I am so glad this is black and white. That's what I mean. There's, it there's look, chunks coming it out. Look, I mean, there's... So gruesome. Yeah. Things blow up that are alive. They're, you know, bits... So that is why I say proceed with caution with the children. Well, yes, you can explain things die, and that's kind of one of the premises is learning to let go, but it, is it? <laughs> yeah. But still. But yeah, it, it's it's a cool idea. It's, you know, it's a take on an old story, obviously. Which is grim and horrific. Yeah. But I think it's, you know, I liked the idea of that live action thing. And then I, the live action thing is included on this disc. But it kind of is... It's way too creepy as a live-action thing. But it's still got that Edward Scissorhands kind of mm-hmm. odd reality to it. Um, even this movie has. The place where it's set is very Edward scissorhands It's funny when you think of someone like Tim Burton. Someone like George Lucas. Not so much Steven Spielberg. It seems he's been able to remove himself a bit, but not really. Because Super 8 kind of reflects what he would imagine from his youth with the... But that's Long, not, not him. You know what I mean? I thought he did Super 8. J.J. Abrams. Right. It was a collaboration game. Okay, well, there's the one, too. Cause, yeah. And George Lucas does it. He always wants to kind of be... And Kevin Smith. 
They're like they are glued to their youth, but a very romanticized kind of, you know, George Lucas. I grew up in the 50s and this when there's bebop music and da 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 da. And like he, he, like when you watch American Graffiti, there's the grittiness a bit, but there's also this completely pop culture vision we have of the time. And I think some directors, Tim Burton, goes back to his youth and always brings up this sort of like, like you're looking at the suburbs with a really like a weird knob cranked over like, to make um, it go like, like it was I, a horrible, <clears throat> boring, monotonous place. However, if you make it so that there's a guy in a mansion on the hill who's making a scissor hand guy and make everybody all weird and creepy and like not creepy, they're not creepy. They're super colorful and like all the straight lines and everything. And this I, one does the same. I like thing. how they incorporate because obviously Tim Burton's a big fan of the old classic Universal monsters movies. Always has been right, and like, they do show it does show in his movie yeah. making. <laughs> Um, and this one actually has a straight-up clip from yeah. Dracula in, inserted into this stop-animation so world, which is really cool because they're watching that on the TV. Um, so, um, yeah, I think that's what we can say about the movie. So moving on to the cast, I wrote down some of the notable... There's a lot of voices in this. A lot of people you won't recognize, a lot of people you will. Catherine O'Hara as Mrs. Frankenstein. There's less than you think because when you look at the whole list, yeah, a lot of them are uncredited or, what are they called, production staff. Right. Martin Short is Mr. Frankenstein. Such a good voice he has. He's always had always a perfect animated voice. At first I was like, oh, Martin Short. Martin Landau is Mr. Rizu- I can never say it. Is the Rice professor Krusky. guy. Yeah. Like, it sounds like Rice Krusky. Rice Krusky. Rice Krusky. Rice Krusky. Like. Yeah. He was fantastic. He was. And I liked that character the best. And Me you too. know what I really liked about that character? That the, 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 like, people aren't ready for science. They just don't get it. That's what I mean by the themes that are hidden themes in here. This idea of when he's people close-minded. Yeah. To, and that's the thing about someone watching this movie who might be close-minded to the concept of reanimating a dead thing. You know, now I'm not, I'm not, I'm not scientifically opposed to this concept at all. I don't have a problem with cloning or trying to bring things, but the. The reality of animating a dead piece of meat is kind of like, wow. So his his thing is the town's turning against him because the kids are learning science and they're learning things they, they never talked about before. And then at first you think he might turn to be the bad guy because he's I mean, so... He's yeah, Vincent he's got, Price. He's the weird. He? He's the weirdest But there is no more Vincent one. Price, unfortunately, because so, his look is I mean, he's the like weirdest him. looking character in the whole thing because his face is extremely long, like. Well, yeah. him and little Igor, or whatever yeah. his name is. <laughs> yeah, he looks like he stepped out of the Adam song. Exactly, there, exactly. And that's, you know, it's Tim Burton, isn't it? So, And then Winona Ryder is Elsa Van Helsing. See, They've, she needs her own movie. She does. And I didn't write down the name of the guy. I mean, I was thinking, you know, Sparky obviously does not have a voice, but the boy... I, I, he does have a voice. It's uh, Ted... Some, oh, I've got I him mean, here. I mean, Sparky doesn't talk. Yeah. Sparky Frankenstein is Frank Welker. Oh, so woof, woof, woof. Well, he makes loads of noises. Yeah, noises. I'm not no actual dialogue. No, that's what I was getting at. And the boy, mm. um, I didn't write him down either. Oh, I didn't. he's right there, wherever you can find him. I couldn't find him. Better than me. What is he called? Uh, Victor Frankenstein. Yeah, he's Charlie Tahan. 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 Yeah. See, so, yeah, you know. There you go. Charlie Tahan does a nice job. 
Yeah, so this is directed by Tim Burton. We all know him. Sweeney Todd, Edward Scissorhands. Sweeney Todd. Sleepy Hollow. I love Sweeney Todd. What else did he do? Lots of stuff mm-hmm. throughout the years. Batman. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Planet of the Apes. Planet of the Apes, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, Corpse Bride. Yeah. Not A Nightmare Before Christmas. Or... <laughs> he's involved. Yes, but he's not. He has less director. to do with it than you imagine. Yeah. Um, he drew... All the sketches for the characters, because you can see, obviously. And he does for everything. If we go back and look at the extras on all of these movies, or even on things like Dark Shadows, you saw his concept out that he drew himself. He's very creative that way. Um, You have to like him, I think, to go along with his movies, because it is very distinctive. Yep. And always the same, no matter what he does. Dark Shadows, his last one. There's something Tim Burton that you can't... You can put your finger on it because it's, it's like, gothic. Here's it's, reality. Yeah. And then over here's like this hand crank on the side of a steampunky thing. Going gothic. Like, I always think. Or like old horror. Think old. It's gothic. It's, gothic. Uh, it's Dracula movies. It's Frankenstein movies. It's old Universal monster movies injected into all of it. Because that was his inspiration, right? To make movies. Beetlejuice. Yes. Did he do Beetlejuice? Yeah. I believe so. Um, so, yeah. It's, uh, you know. That's what it is. And if you don't like it, then... Then you're really not going to You're not going to like any of it. So, uh, Blu-ray extras here. Um, And this is like a four-disc set, like I said. Uh, You get the 3D version. You get the um, 2D version on a separate disc. Now, the... uh, Alice in Wonderland. Duh. Yeah. So, you get the... um, The one you don't like. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yes, terrible. Big Fish. Sleepy Hollow, Mars Attacks, Ed Wood, Batman Returns, Edward Scissorhands, Beetlejuice, yes, directed by Pee-wee's Big Adventure. You need to turn to the microphone, because we're not hearing you. You can hear me. I listen to podcasts where I can hear people. You're very, very small while you're talking. That's fine. So um, if you want to complain about Sid Talk's non-microphone skills, you need to email that must be just something that bothers you when you listen to podcasts, because it doesn't bother me. When people me. go off mic, it drives me crazy. Because no. I'm like, what are you saying? Why, why are you off the mic? Where did you go? Well, it's obvious why I was off. I'm looking at something. I know why, but I'm saying, when I'm listening to other podcasts. I think our listeners are very intelligent, and they probably figured it out. All right, so the Blu-ray features here are the original short, Captain Sparky versus the Flying Saucers. It's really, it is really short. I expected it to be a bit longer. It's pretty good, though. Oh, no, I knew it would be short. It was one of his... Because in the movie, Vincent makes well, his own little Yeah, movies. I didn't expect it to be less than two minutes long, though. Because well. when the, you get an original shot on a Pixar or any other Disney one, it's usually five times. I just assumed it was something that they cut out of the movie. Like, they put it together to somehow be in the movie, and then it wasn't. So, um, so yeah, it's pretty cool. If you liked the opening to this movie... That is one thing that's missing from the extras, is not a new short of any kind... Well, like that, a, that's it. No, a new short that's made separate from this, like a right. But this, you know, that's usually Pixar that do that. Well, it's Disney, isn't it? Right. Not done on all the Disney movies. Anyway, um, it's a small, two minute long. If you like the intro to the movie, you'll really like this because it's it is the it's like the same thing. Um, there is also a miniature. Miniatures in motion, bringing Frank and Winnie to life, which is like a thirty minute documentary. And it's actually really good. I liked its the production values of it. Like how they how they hold pieces of paper up to tell you who people are. I like the style of the documentary. 
And it's stuffed with information. In fact, some things where you get like a three-hour documentary on a movie about how it's made, and then you come out of the three-hour documentary thinking, <laughs> I didn't really get anything there. It was just people blabbering like, this is like actually how it's made. Yeah, absolutely. In 30 minutes. Um, did you enjoy it? I did. It's The best parts of it are when they show you close up how the, are they called puppets? Mm-hmm. Are made. From the skeleton that's inside to what they make the outside of. And then the lady who makes the clothes and she's stitching tiny little things. And then the actual scale of this is bigger than other... um, 3.6. Right. So, like, you've got, like, a house that's, like, bigger than half a person. Right. So, it's just really cool because, like, miniature everything. Miniature, like, those grapes, those glass grapes that were famous. And, like... They have a camera set up so that you can see the animator and the scene. So when they're playing a time-lapsed film of what they've filmed of a person doing like a whole scene, then you see the human and all the camera, and then then on the little stage that they've made that's the set, you see the characters walking around and doing stuff as if they're a lot. And like when you see this time-lapse with the human and all the stuff and the characters, the little puppets are just like walking around. And yeah, it's, like, it's really, it's really awesome. Like I would like to see a movie. You could mix it up, couldn't you? You could have a live-action movie with stop-frame animated characters who are like that, like really good and integrated. Sort of a modern-day um, Roger Rabbit. <laughs> so, um, cool world. There is. Um, also, the original Frankenweenie movie, the 30-minute movie, that's also only a PG, which mm. is kind of interesting because yeah, the, the theme of it doesn't is more than a PG, just thinking about it. And um, so, yeah, if you want to see that original Frankenweenie, that's, that's actually on here. And um, there's also Frankenweenie touring exhibit, which is they took small little diorama versions of the movie. Like to Comic Con in this instance where they're showing it you, but describe, it's like in a glass case. Describe small. Small as in as big as this quite room. Big. Yeah, yeah, like eight or ten feet so long. You stand, it's a whole set that's set up to be the scene, and then they. It's like looking into a fish tank, but you're seeing like a scene. Yeah, uh, and they take take it around the world basically, so you see what that looks like, and it's really cool. Well, I was thinking if you're getting photographs of that close up, yeah, yeah. it would be amazing, wouldn't it? You know, you get some amazing detail getting really close to those. Oh, they might not allow that. There, there are. When you go to some museums and exhibits, like we went to Titanic this summer, there's big signs before you go into this big, massive sort of in the bowels of Titanic. It was a fantastic exhibit. There are big signs and people standing around with their hands behind their backs to ensure that you're not taking one single photo of anything while you're not like right. at all. And they will, you know, if you have it in your hand, they ask you to put it in your bag. If you look like you have your phone out, could you please put your phone away? Please turn your phone off. All these kinds of things. So I think it's possible that would be one of those. And then finally, any phone from Disney's listening and wants to confirm, let us know. And then finally, here there's the plain white tees pet cemetery music video. I'm a little bit disappointed on the extras that there's no commentary. Um, or is there usually with uh, him? He has done some, yeah. Um, but that documentary is pretty good. Um, you know, it's it's it definitely is enough to know what they would do. You know, it's enough information behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to have seen a full length time frame, time whatever, time lapse of every scene being made. 
you know, like see, let, show yeah, us. Yeah, that whole, would be good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that is it. I, I really love and interviewing the individual animators who worked on different. They did a few, but I would love to have seen and then say, "Here's another thing I've done," or "Here's something else I've done," or "Here's a comic book I've drawn." Because they're artists, aren't they? So. To see a little bit more about each of the animators, which I can just look up myself, but I think that could be integrated so you feel more like it's not just a Tim Burton movie. But or it's one like of those um, like in-movie experiences where you get the little pop-up showing you how they did each scene. You know, that that, that is a thing what Disney do, and they didn't do it here. So, um, I love this slipcover, by mm-hmm. the way. It's like a metallic, following the theme of the monochrome movie, apart from the logo. But it's like a metallic... Uh, raised um, sparky dog and it's a really nice cover I think and it's hard not to do a nice cover for an animated thing <laughs> yeah because it's just going to look good anyway right so yeah so that is um, Frankenweenie and if um, anybody hasn't listened to us before I say blah to uh, slipcovers I say they're a waste of resources but and I say if they're done right them. they're nice um, oh if they're done right it's totally worth it yeah <laughs> as if Sliding it off, and then there's another cover underneath isn't enough. That is craziness. I like it. So, um... That's like having a monitor. Sit in front of the monitor for your computer and say, well, but this... Then they're both on, (laughs) but you want to look at this front one instead. Not exactly. It is. Precisely. So, um... Yeah. uh, Frank and Weenie, I recommend it. Yeah, I love it. I hope it wins the Oscar. um, Because I think it is really... I've not seen Wreck-It Ralph yet. You haven't seen any of the others. But every year for the last many years, a CG movie wins. And I want this style of animation to almost... Was the pirate one CG or stuff? CG. Looks kind of... It's CG. Modeled. But um, yeah, I really like this style of animation. I want it to thrive. I want... More well, what kind of movie would you like to see of it? Not just Tim Burton. I mean, just break out of that completely. And what well, one of my favorites is Fantastic Mr. Fox. I think it's one of the best. Um, that was fantastic. Because it's a Wes and- <laughs> it's a true Wes Anderson movie. Almost a live action Wes Anderson movie made with stop animation. It's it's crazy how it is not like an animated movie. It's like you're watching the next Wes Anderson movie. Like we watched Moonrise Kingdom. Mm-hmm. It's just like watching that. But without people, it just happens. That, <laughs> but the people are there, aren't they? Because George Clooney taught. You know, it's you, really, you, it's well, that's really good. But that means something else. Something you haven't seen before. I'd like to see, like a space adventure, like a sci, something sci-fi, but with oh, but and with, not with puppets like marionettes. No, but with, with <laughs> yeah, stop frame animation. Stop frame, yeah. I think you'd it, have to integrate a lot of CGI though, and you don't like that. No, and they didn't on this movie. Well, they do with some sparks and things, yeah. but in general, it's. All the characters are animated, and the backgrounds are made. Cars are not a CG car. It's all, you know, you can tell when you look at it. It's They don't cheat. Um, so that's Frankie Mini. I highly recommend it. Um, really, I've put it down on my Oscar ballot to win. So hopefully they read my Oscar ballot. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. That will sway all 3,600 people to vote for it. So thanks to Disney. Um, next week's Blu-ray review is House at the End of the Street. Talking of awesome um, covers to movies. I love that cover. Uh, it's very not... What you expect. What you expect at all. There's no house, first off. There's no street. Nope. There's no end. <laughs> and there's no... At the... Well, there is, actually. Exactly. <laughs> See? Um, so, um, let's do the movie game. 
You can go first. I didn't name it yet. It's called Mo- Movie Year. I've already named it. Oh, that's so boring. Why didn't I make an effort to redeem it? Okay. The game is this. We say a movie, and the other person has to guess what... Ye- not guess. You have to know what year it was made. Or there are dire consequences. You lose a digit every time you get it wrong. So far, we would have both lost two, a digit. Last really- week, we didn't know either one. Mine this year is... This year. You just <laughs> this did week. one this year? Yes, then I'm done for the year. Uh, a life less ordinary. And now, if you want to play along at home, we might want to pause and don't look it up on A life less ordinary. Google. My guess for that would be 1993. I'm Think too, it through. I'm too early there, right? Think it through. I'm not giving you any hints. Well, you, you can all have one guess and that's it. This is how this game works. No, no, works. just think it through. Is that it? Well, is that your final yes, answer? Yes, final answer. That is incorrect. It is 1997. Close. And I'm with you. I actually thought it was 1990. When I was thinking of movies that I haven't, we haven't talked a lot yeah, about or anything. Yeah, first half of 1990. I really thought, but it's 1997. A Life Less Ordinary, by the way, stars Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> and Holly, um, Holly Hunter, is that her name? No. Cameron Diaz? Cameron Diaz and, well, the... Holly Hunter, yeah. Yeah, she's in it. Yeah. And is, who's the guy? Who's the other guy with her? You and McGregor. No, the other guy with Holly Hunter that they're like angel oh, yeah. agents yeah, or yeah. whatever they are. It's really good. It's really creative. It's kind of weird. It's very, very fictional. All right. My, mine is going with the theme of this week's movie, uh, Frankenweenie. So it's not when the original Frankenweenie was done. <laughs> it's Frankenstein, not the original Frankenstein, the one with Robert De Niro. When was that? Dang. I'm going to say... Hmm. Okay, I'm just going to take a stab here. When do I think? Oh, 1995. Very close. 1994. Oh my god! I lost another digit. I thought I'd make it hard and not... No, that's... No, because I was thinking, you know, it wasn't when I was in high school, and it wasn't when I was in college, but it wasn't when I was fully grown up. It's not great, either, (laughs) by the way. It isn't, but it's... For some reason, it got a lot of attention at the time. So, okay. So, Frankenstein with De Niro, 1994. A Life Less Ordinary, 1997. So, movie recommendations for this week. I am going with Frank and Weenie, the original. Cause, Shocking. Because you should see the original. And it's what... When I'd seen the original years ago, and then I got wind that he was doing a stop animation, it was like, oh my god. Did... Okay, and I'm the opposite. When I saw it, I thought, I never want to watch a full movie of this. I think it's really annoying. And if you want to see really something lame. that improves, like, 100% <laughs> yes. on the original concept, this is it. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and my second one is Reanimator, which is... Um, Never a, seen it. It's a fantastic horror movie from the 80s. Uh, really, really bloodthirsty. Like, super bloodthirsty. If you're, like, Dead Alive, Peter Jackson's Dead Alive, or Evil Dead, it's that level of gore. But it's about a uh, scientist, Dr. Herbert West, who reanimates bodies um not a scientist he's like a school teacher like as far as i remember it's a long time since i've seen it it is really fantastic it spawned loads of sequels the sequels are terrible but that original one you know Mm. it's also frankenhooker which is (laughs) kind of funny but i go for reanimator so what do you go for I am going to recommend um let me move my thing over here a little bit I can see what you're going to recommend. It's right there on the other screen. Um, yeah, that's yours. Um, for me, it's going to be Coraline. Because I think Coraline, outside of the Tim Burton top frame animations, 
I just watched it all on Halloween time again, and it's just, it's enchanting. I absolutely love it. It's stop frame animation. So Coraline, not Caroline, Coraline. She makes that very clear in the movie. And my other one is, you mentioned it, and I haven't done it, but I'm going to say, go on YouTube and do a search for stop frame animation. And I bet you can find, you've said it, but I bet oh, there's there tons. are I've watched it. people who have made some amazing stop there's frame amazing animation. Stuff. Yeah, there's do, amazing, do very short movies. Stop frame animation. And beyond that, make your own. Yeah. Some, you got a camera. All you need is a camera and some film software, and which is easy time. to get. Well, no, not if you want to make it like a little tiny one. But it's a fantastic project. A cousin of mine, or, or second cousin of mine's son, I saw her post on Facebook. Little son, like about nine years old. She had a picture of him from behind, and you could see a little set that he had made. And you could see like toys on it, little tiny toys. And there was like a two little walls on a table or something. And it looked like he was in the garage, I'm not sure. And he's standing little camera on the tripod and you can see him bent over looking through the thing and she said he's making his a stop animation he could be the next i was like oh my god that's so awesome so it's a good project for you with the kids i think it'll be so much fun as long as you get you some software where you can spit please but that shouldn't be a problem sure you can find some really cheap movie making software so games and a scully stuff this week i uh we've finished Assassin's Creed 3 finally um, not we you and I no I was nothing to do with it uh, me and my nephew finished it and it's uh, the end of Assassin's Creed 3 um, you know it's supposed to be the end well it is the end of the trilogy of Assassin's Creed games which happened to actually be five games which is interesting because um, they did some spin-off ones but uh, it's the end of Assassin's Creed Desmond's story so the ending, um, I'm not going to spoil the ending, but I was slightly disappointed by the ending because the ending sets up a new one. You just told the ending then. No, much. I did not because there's tons of events. Yeah, but In you, fact, didn't, it's very, you very... didn't know that was going to happen and now people will. <laughs> no, it's very, very complicated. I didn't spoil anything. The ending sets up another one, which I don't think they should have done. Um, I think it should have closed the Assassin's Creed Did you thing. know that was going to happen when you were playing it? What? That that was how the ending was going to be. No, I thought it would tie up completely. I thought it would be like... This is... You know, they said this is the end of Desmond's story. I thought it would be the end of Desmond's story. It's not strictly the end of the story. And I could see them doing a spin-off to this. They might announce it at E3 and it comes out in November. Like a like they did spin-offs to Assassin's Creed 2. They did two spin-offs. And they made them very quickly within the space of two years, you know? And then, so th- I could see another spin-off coming from this, which is unfortunate because it's nice to wrap something up, I think, sometimes, and not drag it out. It's a pretty interesting story, though. It's very complicated, the actual story story about the Animus and how you go into your ancestors' bloodline. You can, through this piece of technology that's made, you can lie on this bed and then they find the DNA of your ancestor in you and you can revisit your ancestor's memories through the DNA strand in you. That's how it works. So that's how, you know, you go back to these times and live these... So this guy Desmond happens to be a guy who has a long lineage of assassins in his family, right? So this is how you're visiting these, all these different assassins throughout the game. Three different assassins. But... um I really liked this game. I thought it was really the best one of the bunch. The, you know, 
the Civil War American forming of America was really well handled. Oh, I thought it was the Revolutionary War. Revolutionary War. I always get mixed up. The, <laughs> yeah. the forming of America, the Boston Tea Party, all of these, you know. It's really well handled. They don't, you know, the Native American part, they handle it well and show, you know, it's not, what, what would you say, exploitative. It's not like that. Mm. It's more like, no, this is the history and we're going to show it you. Um, so I really liked it. I thought it was really good. Uh, I'm looking forward to a new Assassin's Creed on the new consoles. I can't imagine what, you know, these look amazing, these games. I thought you wanted it to end. No, a, a new Assassin's Creed, like start with a new game. I thought that I thought you meant it's done. No, it's not done. They're all, they're all, you know when they when they make a franchise that's popular, you're going to get more games. I'm talking about. You said it was supposed to be a trilogy, then it turned into five, which was surprising. I'm talking about Desmond's story turned into five games. Right? Oh right, okay. Right, so it don't have to be Desmond's story. This animus exists. It doesn't have to be that story. It can be a new start again or something along. I well, I don't even think you should bring this into it. I think it should be start again, a new thing, because. They've hinted at in these in these games that the company that made the Animus, Abstergo, they called, actually make another Animus just for entertainment purposes. Mm. Alongside it, like they made an Animus for these, um, you know, for this purpose to go into your you know research history, go into your bloodline. But there's also this recreational Animus. Which is similar to Total Recall last, that we reviewed last week. Where, but this recreational animus can put you into any situation. So you lie on it and if you always wanted to you know, be a special agent, then you could be it. Or you always wanted to be an assassin from the 19th century, you could be that. So I think you should take that story, the Abstergo make this thing this animus and then it becomes recreational and people get hooked on it or something like it's a it's so widespread and then a story of somebody trying to bring it down take apart Abstergo you know like so I, I would do not that not a very original concept but it's not but it's also not original in Assassin's Creed using this animus as a tool for to put you into these scenarios see and you know that explaining away things they do that in yeah. Assassin's Creed all the time by you know if you're in a you know if you're in a level and then you do something they didn't want you to do. They go, You are desynchronized with the animus. That's not how the memory was. They do that a lot. Like so so Do you if, mean if you as the player So I'm a I'm in the animus and I am the assassin, Ezio, right? And I there's the king. I stabbed the king in the head just because I want to see what happens. Well they just pull you out and say, That's not how the memory was. Let's try that again. They do that a lot. But that's good. Well, what I'm saying is it's not as free as you might think, like, because they, they, you do something that you thought was cool, and then they go, no, 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 no. That's not how we remembered it. But Try that's again. good. That's perfect, actually. Well, I'm saying it's an explaining away kind of feature. Sure. So the Animus is a big scapegoat, <laughs> like, to, to, you know, to keep the story moving how they want it, not how you. So when, when it, you're given the illusion of free roam and stuff, you're not. You're being funneled down this story... Because whenever you do something that's extra to what they intended, they explain it by waking you up and saying, hey, you're not remembering this Isn't that right. better than just, like, hitting an invisible wall or something? Well, there's that, too. Mm. There's invisible walls that appear, and they're not so invisible. They, they start spiking out at you, 
And it's like, no, the animals... No, I mean, an invisible, as in the programmers didn't even make any effort to make it look like the end. You've just bumped into something. Right, all I'm saying is they use the animus. uh, It's not a free... Even though it's a free-roaming game, the story is not free in the slightest. But as you're describing it to me, I think that, of course, it can't be free. Because you're living someone's actual memories. Yeah, but... We just played another game yesterday called Dishonored, which is, like, very free. Like, here's a scenario. But different concept. Go completely. about... Well, a similar concept. is about an assassin. Uh, go about this. But you're not reliving history. No. Right, that's why it makes sense to me. Because if you're reliving real history, to, to go well, back and... Fake I mean, real history. No, you're living the real history in the game world. Then, of course, you can't do anything else. They're just, they're programmed to tell you and show you what happened. It's just one of the things that kind of irk me sometimes because you sometimes want to like, you know, go a bit freeform and then you can't because, you know, that's not how it happened and that's how they explain it. Are you just a little spoiled maybe by other games then? Like every game can't be that way, right? No, it gives the illusion of being a Grand Theft Auto style game but then it isn't is what I'm getting at. It's like this massive open world and here's go and do what you want but no, there is no going doing what you want. There they is... actually make it clear that you can go, what, like, make money on your own? And yeah, that's what tasks. it looks like, but it's not like that. That's all I'm getting. Anyway, um, so if you like free farm games, free free world games, like Sleeping Dogs that I'm playing now, this is not that. It's a very focused, funneled story. You're being funneled down it. And if you try and deviate it in any way, you'll keep getting funneled down it. it they, and I understand why. Because sure. the story has to go one particular way. Annoyingly, the ending of Assassin's Creed 3 could go two different ways. There is a choice to how it ends, but you're never given the choice. The game says to you, if this happened, and then it shows you what would happen. And then it says, but that didn't happen. This happened. There's no choice. You don't get the choice. You see how both endings go. You just don't get the choice of it. Which I thought was kind of... I understand why they did that. They did that because when if they do do a new game, everybody has to be on the same page when it starts. You can't have like half of the people did this, half of the mm. people did that. Mass Effect did that. Tried to. It doesn't always work, does it? You know, because you, you're going like, oh, well, some people did this, so they have to have this beginning, and some people did that. Oh, that didn't. Mass Effect worked really well. Um, it worked kind of all right. Then there's some people who came into Mass Effect, never played the first one. When the second one started, it said, hey, all this stuff happened in the first one. What do you want to happen? Just by choosing shit off a page. So there was that problem. You know, with people joining the series late. But yeah, in, in Assassin's Creed 3, the the choice is kind of removed. And that ending, especially the ending of Assassin's Creed 3, it hurt me a little bit. Because it's like, oh my god, I'm going to get to choose what happens to the whole... No, I'm not. At all. So I guess hopefully people who don't want to know what happens at the end are not listening anymore. Well, I didn't say what I'm doing. But you see, you are. Because you're saying there's going to be two things, you don't get to choose, (laughs) da-da-da-da. So that's kind of, if a person didn't expect that, you didn't expect that, then now they're expecting that. Right. You know what I'm saying? So you're saying I spoiled it for everybody? No, I'm saying hopefully they're not listening if they don't want to know what Right, and, and hopefully they wouldn't. <laughs> but no, I didn't spoil anything. I didn't give you any details. I didn't tell you anything about the plot. But if of someone Assassin's had told Creed you that ahead of time, then you would have been expecting it. I'm not saying it spoils it as in... No, I would have been it. fine with somebody telling me that, actually. Because I don't know what the ending is at all. Like, I just know that... The, the... But you also know it's just blur. They, if they said it to you the way you I know, I didn't say it. it was just blur. I said it's a really good ending. It's just you're not presented with the choice to make the ending different. 
the ending is what they said. It's like I've just been saying. It's a funneled. Mm-hmm. There's no choice. There's no choice throughout the entire game. You don't ever make a choice. They make the choice. Like most games used to be. Like most games used to be. But Assassin's Creed kind of gives you the illusion of being Mm. a choice game. It's not. So don't think of it as that. Just think of it as this really plain story that goes straight through. Uh, Hopefully with the next one on the new consoles, which I imagine it would be, it's more... They put more effort into making it like Mass Effect, choosing your own path. You know? That's what I'm hoping. So... Um, we also played the first uh, level of Hitman Absolution last night. Uh, I bought this game some time ago and never actually put it in. So, um, no, I did put it in, but then something else came out and I played that instead. Probably Assassin's Creed. So I started played the first level of it last night and it's like the tutorial level where it's holding your hand the entire time. So you don't get, you know, it's saying... Okay, when you enter this room, you have to kill this guy and take his outfit and then do that. You know, there's no freeformness, like I was just saying. Do you get me? I think you're kind of addicted to this freeformness. Well, that's <laughs> that's how a game should be. It should be. But like, they never were before, right? That's a new. No, thing but they have been for for you know ten years or whatever. Right, but not every game has to have. Right, but this this is a freeform game. Hitman. Eventually, all the Hitman games are very freeform. You do what you want. Do it how you want. You don't follow their thing. In fact, you experiment and try weird shit. Always to the same end, though. No. Not always to the same end. No, I mean, how many... It's like infinite choices? Like, for instance, in one of the Hitman games, you had to take out a target, right? Now... But, I mean, the ultimate ending will be the target will be taken out. Right. That's what I mean. There is no role. there might be 50 ways you can do that. Right. I could... Like, say he's a man in an apartment... I could disguise myself as the apartment. I could go into the guy who owns the apartments, the landlord, kill him, dress as him, come to that guy's and then kill him, right? Or, uh, in one scenario, um, I put acid. I broke into a guy's apartment, got his shaving foam, put acid in the shaving foam, put the shaving foam cam back on, put it in his bathroom, waited in his shower behind the curtain for him to come home and have a shave and then kill himself but ultimately you're still there's no different end there's no like let them live or or kill them it is always killed right because you're the hitman right so there isn't a lot of choices there lots of choices no story wise I mean you always have to kill them right so that's kind of like so I'm saying this new hitman will be that all I can say is I haven't experienced it yet because I've only played the tutorial level which you have no choice because there's somebody in your ear saying, when you enter this next room, you have to shoot the two men and then jump over the thing. Right. You can't deviate from that. You do what it says. So in your, to you, then, free form is, as long as you do have a choice of how to get to the exact same Dishonored ending, is a perfect example. There's a man in the top of a tower. He's highly secure up there because everybody is protecting yeah. him. There's the tower. Have at it. Finish him off. There's about a thousand men between you and him. What do you do? Do you sneak through? Do you? So in the end of that, he either lives or he doesn't. Uh, yes. You can let him live. Yes. Or die, and you then you can what? let him live. You can take him with you as well. Take him back to your base and interrogate him or whatever. You can just kill him, or you can kill him in a multitude of ways. Also, like because in dishonor, How about ignore him completely. No, because the missions to go and get him. Right. 
Right, but there's a lot of things between you and him. Right, yeah, yeah. So now it's it's a it's not like walk down this path, kill the men. So and to then me, get them. that sounds like giving you the illusion of free form again, but with a a little bit wider brush. Right. Right, yeah. All like a yeah. So um, Hitman Absolution, the graphics are fantastic, and the production values, even the uh, intro movie where it explains what is happening. It's like watching a movie. It's so good, like the way they did it with the music. Better than that Hitman movie with Timothy <laughs> Oliver. The intro to this movie is better than that movie. That was pretty un- uneventful. Yeah, well, like, the Hitman thing is a really cool concept, and then they made that really kind of lame movie about it. I mean, it didn't explain it really anything. Was. It was not very good. It, we already knew a lot about the Hitman gamers, because we played a lot of... And this movie kind of told us, like, the very beginning of the first game. And it was, like, maybe they were going to make more of them, but it was kind of shitty, so yeah. it never happened. But, yeah, don't watch the Hitman movie. No, you can watch it. Let choose for, Decide for yourself. Um, <laughs> so on Tuesday, there's a new game, Devil May Cry. Um, Capcom have gone back to the drawing board with Devil May Cry, which was a very popular franchise. There's been four of them. Um, and they've took it back to forget those four. It's a brand forgotten. It's a brand new Devil May Cry, like starting from the beginning. I won't say reboot, but that's what they've done with it. He's a new dude. Well, he's not a new dude. I think he is the dude. I, I, I haven't got it exactly, but I will be getting that on Tuesday. I'll tell you about it next week. So, Sinto, what's for dinner? So I don't. It doesn't have a name, which I know annoys you, but it doesn't have a name or a recipe. It is just a. It's going to be an amalgamation of things that we have, which will be some chickpeas, there's some pasta, some green beans, some other vegetables, and some crumbles possibly worked in there, which so is Morningstar meatless crumbles. A pasta dish of some kind. Yeah, and then for dessert, the potato chip cookies that I made which, yesterday. Which are very good. Very good. In fact, the thing about potato chip cookies, and if we, have, we found them in a vegan cookbook, I thought, there's, you know, that sounds good, sweet and salty, which is actually what... The final product is. But I thought to myself, uh, it's just going to taste... I'm going to really taste potato chips. You don't really taste potato chips. No. And I was I was eating it thinking, okay, I'll get one in a minute, maybe, or some of it. But there was never a time. I, I taste brown sugar. <laughs> it's kind of like... It's weird. There are a certain kind of cookie that are like pretty firm. I mean, I could have underbaked them, but I don't really like underbaked. They don't have any eggs or anything in them, so you can if you want. But they've got that sort of really sugary, Treacly. shortbread-y kind of, yeah. It's like got brown sugar. Syrupy sugar. almost. Like, cause it kind of like, yeah, it was brown sugar and white sugar. But um, I don't taste the potato chips, though. Even, mm-hmm. And I know they're in there. I've seen three cups They're of quite them. oily. So if you get a recipe for them, just keep that in mind when you eat them. They're not a cookie Could that you, you should eat. Could you use baked potato six. chips and then not be oily? Possibly. Mm. You still have to have some oil in your cookies yeah, somehow. But you know but what I'm saying? Yeah. Because yeah. three cups of potato chips is a lot of oil. We know. You eat some chips, you exactly. get oily, don't you? So it's like compensating. But um, they are very delicious. And so that's what's for dinner. And my advice is, goes back to what I was talking about, about the directors who do this. And I say, do not. And today I had a flashback memory from my college years, which was quite pleasant. And then I have to, like, undo the the fog of your memories like don't romanticize or make them seem make it seem better than it was like be honest with yourself when you are having memories if you describe your childhood as like oh you know 
yeah, dad was pretty demanding and yes, but yeah. And your dad was a complete asshole who was abusive and hateful and terrible. Well, don't go back and be like, well, it was fine. He was, it was pretty challenging. You know what I mean? Don't do that. Because it's, it's a lie, first of all. And then those things that you may not want to face up to, they were like moments of your life. That made you who you are. And if you try to just cover it up, there's going to be something, then you're not coping with something to me. You know, you can ignore things if you want, I suppose, but I'm a very, like, this is what it is. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't like to rosy it I think ignoring it works better. Well, ignoring is fine, but if you change it to where you're lying about it, especially to yourself, then what was the point of you being alive if you're going to change it up all the time? Like... Then the, the moments that you lived and experienced possibly negative things didn't teach you anything except how to lie to yourself. Except what it should have taught you was how to cope and how to judge people's character. Don't lie to yourself that, oh, so-and-so was kind of in... <laughs> he was he was fine. I'm sure he was very troubled. Well, if a guy's an asshole or a woman is an horrible person, you need to learn to identify that all your life. And don't pretend that people aren't what they are, as an example. Or if you had a memory, don't like, you know, rosy it up. Like, just remember it for what it was. I just think that people have a tendency to go back in their memory and, like, fictionalize reality. And I'm not a fan of that. So, that's my advice. Don't fictionalize your memories. Or do, if you like, if, if that's who you are. No, I say don't. If you want to write a movie or write a book that's a fictional book that is a yeah, take definitely. on your life... Fine, but don't pass it off as your real life. Don't pass it off to yourself as your real life. Inside of your mind is what I'm talking about. I mean, maybe you do this and I don't know, but I'm saying it's just... It's an accomplishment to be able to look at the truth and then cope with it. You know? Cope. Deal with it. Learn from it. Makes you, you know, moves you on in life better than a lie in my experience. There you go. So, thank you for listening to the show. I want to remind you about our website, sayschoolie.com, which is experiencing some problems at the moment. <laughs> Who knows how long it will be for, but the my web hosts are working on it. But the podcast should be fine. Uh, no, it wouldn't be, actually, if uh, if these if these slow... I thought you had it somewhere else. No. Oh, right. So, if these slow... Yeah, you, you might have problems getting this podcast this weekend. Um... And the site is loading slowly. Sometimes it doesn't load. It should be fixed by the end of the weekend, I'm sure. Or if it, it's not fixed by the end of the weekend, it'll be fixed when they go back to work on Monday. Um, so, yeah. Sidsaw.com uh, experiencing difficulties. We're on the same. Nope. It's just fine. Yeah. So I'm just on a different server than you, but we are on the same web post. And on SidTalk.com, I've posted, I do drawings of my own and some food. I put the potato chip cookies on there and mostly drawings and other things. <laughs> So you can catch us on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Pinterest, uh, I've been using this week. Don't know how long I will use it for. If it's pointless, I won't carry on using it. But I have been posting the podcast on there for people who use it. I think it's a good idea. Yeah. I've been looking at it, and I'm not sure it gets to anybody. Yeah. Unless unless you've got thousands of followers. I know what you're saying. Because it's not like when I put it on Twitter and put hashtag podcast... A lot of people see that. Yeah. 
because I, I'm, uh, all of a sudden, all the people who are looking at the podcast feed see my podcast, right? With this, it's very... You've got to have your friends on it. You know? No, you can search for anything. You like can, I, but it's kind of there's vague. There's so like, much of yeah, everything. Yeah, there's so much, yeah. You know, if I search for the Frankenweenie poster, there's a million of Even them. Even if you search for A. Scully, there's lots of Angela Scullys and right. Amanda Scullys and Andrew Scullys. And so, so that's <laughs> where I think the extra effort might not be worth it because nobody will ever see it apart from us. Who, the extra uh, effort of pushing a button? That's a lot Well, of I have effort. to paste the thing and do the link and put the image. What? You don't have to do anything extra except once you've written and done the thing, just... Well, it's just another place I have to go and post it. I have a script that posts our mm. podcast to everywhere automatically. This is a place where I have to go separately to put it in there, right? Oh, you don't actually you go there. You're on your site. You click on pin it. I haven't done that. I haven't put that pu- pu- plug-in in because it was making oh, my site Oh, I added it to my thing. And I can just say it from my, any, any website now in Chrome. Right. So, I'll do it anyway because I post them online. So. I mean, I'll do it. But what I'm saying is if it has no results, I yeah. will, might not do it forever. So, um... Twitter and Facebook, I will always do. Xbox Live, YouTube, Zoom Marketplace, if you want to find this uh, podcast. Have you decided finally if you're going to put them on YouTube? Well, I've said to you yesterday that... um, You said it to me, but you didn't say it to them. I have to do it in five or six parts. (laughs) Right. So I think that's enough, because we mentioned it last Unless I do a highlight show with the link to the full one, which is just a pain in the ass, basically. Um, But some people do have really long... I watch really long videos on there. You have to have done enough to Mm. unlock that feature apparently like uh, you have to do enough videos and then they say oh yeah now you can do more videos okay um longer videos i mean yesterday they let me yesterday i got an email from youtube that says you can now monetize your videos in your account so maybe it's just a period of time like because now i can put ads on my youtube videos but i still can't have the longer videos yeah so maybe in a while they'll say now you can have longer videos um so, yeah, you can catch on the iTunes Music Store. Just go to ascully.com, click on the word podcast. That's providing it loads for you. Uh, email me at ascully at ascully.com. Don't email Sid Talk. And stay classy, Mr. Timber. And really looking forward to seeing what he does next. Two movies last year. He is a hard-working man, I'm sure. Right? Might have two movies for 2013. I doubt it, though. You know why he could do two movies last year? This one. He doesn't fully do, does he? If you know what I mean. I disagree. There's no shooting schedule where he has to go on the set of Frank and Weenie and be there for three months. I disagree. There is a shooting schedule. That's why he can do Dark Shadows. Right. Because he just has to... These peop, he says to these people, this is what I want. These people sit and for oh, months I, on end, do it. I think we're in a completely different impression. I don't think he would trust people that much, to be honest with you, right. but... We'd have to talk and then to you him. can go and make dark shadows. Maybe I need to send out something, get an interview with Tim Burton, and ask him myself. And I'm going to say, think for yourselves, because if you don't, somebody's doing it for you. 